0: Namaste, and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I am in really, really high spirits. I've been in them all morning, knowing that I'm speaking with Catherine Soli. Catherine is an educator specializing in poisonous plants and plant consciousness, a tarot reader and a meditation enthusiast. Catherine's mission is to bring about a cultural understanding of certain aspects of plant consciousness and ultimately help generate a community of unique practitioners in dialogue with one another, learning from and supporting each other, both in commonality and contrast. She believes that together we can recover the most ancient human lineage, our relationship to the wisdom of the plant kingdom. She studied painting at Naropa University, a Buddhist-inspired school in Boulder, Colorado, did a sacred plant medicine apprenticeship with Gaia School of Healing in Putney, Vermont, and completed a training in Hakomi, a type of mindfulness-based body-centering psychotherapy. Although all of these trainings influence the way she works and educates, and they ultimately yet pale in comparison to what she's learned from the plants themselves. She is particularly well-known for her education work surrounding poisonous plants specifically. Catherine, welcome to the Modern Mystic podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, Catherine, I'm really looking forward to hearing your iteration and experience of what does it mean to you to be a modern mystic. I was thinking about this,
1: and... I feel that at this time, we're living in a very strange and unique time with a lot of pros and cons, you could say. The internet has been such an amazing, amazing, both in good and bad ways, for the quote unquote, modern mystic. We have Oh just endless resources things that not even that long ago you know a couple of decades ago you might have had to travel days or weeks or months to find someone who has you know a piece of a teaching that you're looking for and now you can go on YouTube you can order esoteric books and they're delivered to your house within a few days. We have like this medium you know the classes that I teach, There's no way that I could have done them before the internet. So there's this like great expanse and well of deep teachings and information that's available to anyone who wants it. And at the same time, anyone can upload a YouTube video. Anyone can self-publish a book. Anyone can start a podcast. Anyone can, you know, so on, so there's also you have to sift through all of this like nonsense and charlatans and just distractions and glamour and, and all of this stuff. And, and in some ways, perhaps it's it's harder actually to find those deeper, truer teachings that whether one recognizes it or recognizes it or not, that's what one is actually seeking. It's not this like superficial buzzword laden. Instagram-friendly type of spiritual path that, you know, in their heart of hearts, everyone is is looking for. Anyone who's, you know, had that kind of light switch turned on in some way, even if it's very subtle, even if it's not fully conscious at, at the time. And then also at the same time, we're in like, from my perspective, it's it's a very dark time. It's uh, what one might call like the Kali Yuga, where we have just mass suffering on levels that have not really been as far as I understand seen before I know that there are are writers and people who say things are getting better things are getting better all the time but when I've looked into their claims it's like cherry picking data so one thing I think about and I talk about occasionally you know it's not my work but it's something that in my personal life, I think about a lot is that there's more people that are living in slavery today than there's ever been before. The number of people and the quality of their lives is worse than slaves of the past, enslaved people of the past. But then when you look at some of the literature, it'll say, you know, well, the percentage of people in slavery is lower than it's ever been before. So things are better, but it's like, well, we also had a huge, you know, burst in in Populations. So to me, that's not better. It's not better to have more people living in slavery and worse conditions and, you know, mass starvation, 25,000 people die every day of starvation and malnutrition. And, you know, all of the other things we're aware of environmental destruction. And then, meanwhile, we get funneled through these very narrow pathways of discussion about what's going on in the world. And, you know, for a quote unquote, a modern mystic, someone who's awakened to the path to deny the mass suffering going on in the world is to deny reality is to deny the mystical side of life as well. And one more thing on that, too, is that, you know, to be able, I think, to open to those horrors happening on the physical realm, which, you know, I think everyone would like to not be happening, because even if we, we block it out, if we tune it out, if we, Are not aware that it's there on some subtle level if we hold the the idea to me what is a truth which is that we're all interconnected on some level not necessarily maybe the physical level but not necessarily you know we feel what's going on all over the world whether we're conscious of it or not even in subtle ways and and so we're still impacted by it whether we realize it or not but in order to open to that you know I believe that we also have to look at our psychology, at our trauma systems, at the wounds that we've accumulated, because without processing of those, what's become now a buzzword, so I don't even like to use it anymore, but the term shadow work, you know, by doing our, our shadow work, aka processing our traumas, acknowledging where we're wounded, that's really, I think, the only way that not only can we Open up to the suffering of the world, but also opening open up to the hell realm and the heaven realm, like the beautiful, unitive light and love side of life, and you know be able to see the tragedy that we're surrounded by at this time. And so, for me, basically, the, the mystic at this time has to hold this kind of dichotomy, this balance of being able to see the inherent goodness and beauty and interconnectedness and divinity of all things. And at the same time, recognize that we're living in a time where there's mass, mass suffering and death and starvation and enslavement and destruction going on. Anyway, not to get too much on my soapbox, but I, and I've talked about this a lot in the past that there's sometimes in, you know, spiritual communities, I have, I I have issue with there's focus only on like light and love only on the things that feel good and and this kind of thing but then it's at the detriment i think it, there's something it's neurotic it's like if someone is totally focused on like
0: oh life is pain life
1: is suffering and you know this like nihilistic perspective that's that's not healthy that's not good for one's soul and it's not not good for one's being and it's not going to actually help bring about any kind of change in the world and at the same time if someone is only focused on You know, ah, Namaste, light and love only, good vibes only. Then you know, same thing. It's neurotic. It's not actually going to help anything. It's just an avoidance of some something within oneself, some kind of wound within oneself.
0: Mm, Such a rich answer. I love that so much. And part of why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I'm so much a fan of really speaking about. Speaking about ways that spiritual communities kind of closet, you know, and like you said, often just are so on their light and love soapbox. And part of my naming this podcast, Modern Mystic, is that word modern because of the complexity Mm. of it. Uh, People have said to me, aren't they kind of oxymoronical? And I'm like, no, actually, to me, it's about being an integrative, completely active human being and how our spirituality and our practices allow us to serve the world more fully, allow us to really meet these times. Catherine had mentioned that word Kali Yuga and I I am a yogi from a child age. And so that is a word I grew up with, but I want to elucidate it for Mm -hmm. our listeners. And I love that you use that word. So Kali Yuga refers to the age of Kali. It's a Sanskrit word from the yogic tradition. And it's speaking to a period of time within humanity where there's such incredible intensity, like Catherine spoke of. And in my teachings and study and understanding, the gift of being born in this lifetime during a Kali Yuga age is because you can offer the most extreme medicine if you do your inner work, that your life can be like at the maximum potency compared to say if you were born in a time and i forget the other two periods because there're three periods in the yoga tradition do you know them the first one is like everything is very easeful and there's not many challenges do you know the the sanskrit for that yeah, period i'm not sure i forget it's like one breath of Brahma, who's the universal consciousness and life for itself is everything's easy. And so the other piece of that is your life isn't quite as potent, because there's not as much to do karmically. And then the Mm. other component that's a little more self focused is that you don't burn off as much karma, and you don't accelerate in your evolution, because they're are not as many challenges and ways to serve. And then there's like a middle period where it's kind of like the intensity of the flame is up a bit and there's Mm -hmm. more evolution and more ways you can serve, but nothing like the extreme intensity like you're speaking to. And so thank you for calling out those specifics um, because every time I hear statistics like that and I know you speak of them and I've heard you cite them on social and other places, it's it's just unbelievable, it's alarming. Mm -hmm. And it becomes how then we use our mysticism to to be a part of the solution so really thank you and i really appreciate everything you shared when it comes to plant medicine because you are very well known in in many circles for your i feel like outlier work with poisonous plants. So let's just like not even, let's like cut to the apex and then we'll just expand out as you did, even with your monomeristic answer. I love that. Let's go to the absolute nucleus of the discussion and we'll build it out from there. Let's talk about working with specifically poisonous plants and and then build it out. So that's, I know, a big legacy of your work if you could just share a little bit about your, your path, maybe in a bridge version, because I want to get to, you know, many other things, but how you came to this work of working specifically with poisonous plants. And then I think we can go right into poisonous plants and how it ties into the shadow and all those other wonderful things.
1: There's different versions I could tell, but I think it's kind of the same for everyone uh, in, in a certain way of like, this has been with me my whole life in various mm. um, expressions I yeah and when I look at like my astrology it's like I, I actually you might know this I don't want to get too far off topic but I had I someone so curious look at my your... my Jodish chart which uh-huh. I've never had looked at and there's I think it was the the K2 is dominant for me or something And okay. it was like I was listening to something about it and I was like, what the heck is this? How do they know all of this about me? It was all about death and Dumavati's the ruling goddess here. And mm-hmm. um, just anyway, I was like, okay. So this, I think it's kind of like, this is my, my destiny. So in a lot of ways, it's I can't take much responsibility for it because it feels like I don't have a choice in this work. But in terms of my biographical how I got here. I have been been influenced and interested by Eastern philosophy since I was a teenager. And through that process, led me to a lot of different things. I found myself always, when I was doing deity work, always being drawn to the the quote unquote, wrathful deities like Kali, the Kali Yuga, like Dumavati, who I just mentioned, and um, others. And then I went to herbalism school when I was in, my, in the midst of my Saturn return. And when I got there, I right away was like, oh, poisonous plants. I had an experience where I was, the school that I went to is the Gaia School of Healing in Vermont. And it has a focus on, on plant spirit medicine or plant spirit communication. And that's what drew me there. But I found myself very early on being drawn to meditate with a plant called hellebore, which is, quote unquote, poisonous to us humans, um, if we eat it, and can cause dermatitis on the skin as well. But basically got the message through sitting with hellebore that, you know, this is the work you're supposed to be doing. And then from then on, I did I did my final project on poisonous plants. And that um, evolved into the, the poisonous plant medicine course that I'm doing now. Yeah, that's that's the, the biographical piece
0: fabulous well we can talk at the end when we get off the interview but i was so curious even about your western astrological chart so we'll have to i was like i wonder if she has mercury and scorpio because i have that too and i was like i have mercury and
1: libra but i uh, have some i have some like aspect that connects my my pluto and scorpio and my black uh, moon with my mars there's some kind of
0: anyway yeah we can talk we'll talk shop when we when we stop the record button but there, there of course is something there and um, yeah I love what you spoke of with your journey just how honor are you for just really listening you know doing that deep listening and that's pretty profound that you you know went to school and heard that and we're like okay you just received that because I think so many people can get little cues and winks and messages from the universe, but it can take a lot longer to really be like, okay, but you know, you're paying attention to what excites your spirit with those wrathful goddesses. And then, you know, to getting that message and just being like, okay, poisonous plants it is. So it's really, really lovely to hear about that clear path because it sounds very clear for you, though it might not have felt it, I'm sure. It is now,
1: but I, I just to anyone listening who's like, I I want that for myself. It did take all my 20s were very like just learning and exploring and figuring things out and trying things out and like failing, quote unquote, and doing lots of different things. And once the poisonous plant thing came and I, as you said, like listened to it, everything has been so easy. Like it's it's just been so it's felt I felt very supported in this work. And I feel like it's because I'm I surrendered to it. I'm hesitant to say that because I don't want to sound—I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I'm so great. Look at this great work that I'm surrendering to in myself. But I, yeah. I feel that it's the case for everyone that if you are really like open to your path, even though it may take "quote unquote" wrong turns, or you might be kind of in a, a, a confused time around it right now. Eventually, I think if you if you keep listening, something magic magical can happen from that
0: yeah when you were speaking i what the phrase i heard was you heated the call like you heated mm-hmm. you carpe diem that so it's really i really honor that so let's talk about poisonous plants because they really teach us at least in my experience in my mind how to alchemize toxins into medicine so to speak and mm-hmm. This art and, and practice of plant communication, of which you're an expert, I learned, I don't know if, do you know Elliot Colwyn. How do you say his yeah, name, yeah. Elliot? Um, yeah. Years yeah. ago, like when I was, oh goodness, in my early mid-20s, I had attended a bunch of meditations and studied with him a bit. and He's the person who ignited mm-hmm. this practice. I think of it as a practice. The plant communication can really help deliver us to profound messages and teachings that we can incorporate into our lives. And so much of that with Poisonous Plant and my limited work, and you're the expert, has been connected to that underworld, our unconscious and ways to work with that. And so when I was thinking and contemplating, I actually did a meditation and then I always do that with my episodes. I start with a meditation, so I'm like clearing out. And then later I contemplate, you know, questions I was thinking about poisonous plants and the concept that was coming to my mind is about when I learned about homeopathy, of which Mm -hmm. I'm the opposite of an expert of, I don't know a lot about it at all. But the Mm -hmm. one thing that I remember is that the poison is the cure. And so that came up when I was like meditating and thinking about this conversation. And I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, like this idea of even like poison You know, because when I was doing this contemplation, prepping my psyche and my soul for this conversation, what came to mind was all the times that were really challenging, the relationships, maybe where I was clinging to ways that I was contracting, and then I had to totally let go. So, like these mini deaths and even bigger deaths of my ego in certain ways when I was, you know, humbled to my knees. And, you know, to me, those times in life felt like poison. And then, of course, I learned the most about myself during those times. And so that's kind of my download and my experience of poison. But I was wondering if we could start with kind of what, what your interpretation of an experience in life and as a mystic of poison and then how that influences your teaching and your experience of working in, with uh, poisonous plants
1: yeah uh, thanks for this question. This is like very central to my my life mm-hmm. <laughs> and to my thoughts on poisonous plants. Yeah. and um and I think that that you know the idea of like poison, i use pre- I use quotations a lot because um, for a couple of reasons, you know quote unquote poisonous plants because I don't want to scare people away from the plants. Um, the dose makes the poison, as Paracelsus said, you can die from drinking too much water. you can die from eating too much kale, you know if you it's it's just that with the plants that I'm thinking about the um, the amount that could be damaging to the physical body is smaller than, say, you know, kale. <laughs> I think that poisonous plants are this kind of, within the plant kingdom, they're often mystical. I don't want to say that they're the mystics because there's other types of plants that maybe fit that bill a little bit more um, accurately, a little bit more fully, Um, but they're they're mystical. They're um, excellent for doing trauma work. They're excellent for um, helping to clear away things like you were just describing in these times in your life where lots of things are falling apart. And uh, it's through those times when things were falling apart that you get to know yourself better, that you get more in touch with yourself. And um, that's not the case for everybody. You know, a lot of people have times where they fall apart and they run away from it um, and and run their whole lives away from it and, you know, put the blinders on, which, you know, is is, uh, understandable in a lot of circumstances. But in these kind of times where we have a lot of difficulties, I, it can be this, this beautiful, great opportunity to really, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's very, very hard, but to really drop into, um, what's being, what, what the potential of what, what is being offered here. Um, there's potential in any situation, I think, and how you work with it makes a difference. but anyway, the the so the kind of flavor of poisonous plants within the plant kingdom, I think of it as the same way as the kind of flavor of the wrathful deities within um, the Hindu and Buddhist pantheon. For people that don't know wrathful deities, you know, I mentioned the name Kali, but um, wrathful deities are are deities or gods and goddesses that exist within um, Eastern traditions but have been uh, largely, scrubbed from Western um, traditions, but they're these (laughs) energies that kind of snap us out of our delusions, wake us up, sweep away the things that are no longer working for us, burn away the things that are no longer working for us, have us look at and acknowledge the areas in our life where we're delusional or the areas in our life where we're confused, um, where we're going backwards where we're not, you know, living the life that we truly want to be. And perhaps you could say are destined to be living. And, you know, it's the same thing, like with astrology, you have certain planets that hold this, this similar kind of imprint, like you could say Saturn or Pluto hold this kind of, you know, anyone who's gone through a Saturn return, it can be a major, major time of transformation. And um, upgrading, so to speak, maturation. If you have had any Pluto transits, when when you asked about do I have Scorpio, I wonder. I think it kind of shows up because I I had like ten years of nonstop Pluto transiting, like the most populated part of my chart when I was a teenager, and it was mm-hmm. extremely transformative and almost killed me, like literally. Yeah. But it led me to where I am now. And so when I think about, yeah, like again, bringing up, bringing back to the plants and plant spirit medicine, plant spirit medicine, just a very brief introduction is the idea or the theory or the practice that plants have. I look at it as a, like a vibrational field. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's everything has a kind of vibrational field, has something that it's putting off. Rupert Sheldrake has written about. Uh, morphic resonance or these kind of morphic fields. And, and I think what he's talking about is is the same kind of thing. And so when my vibrational fields, the vibrational field of Catherine interacts with the vibrational field of this plant that's on my desk here, there's a kind of interaction that happens. And Uh, where that where our fields meet is where this this plant spirit communication is happening and it's always being translated through my human mind through through my mind who has had uh, different types of experiences uh, different belief systems you know everybody kind of has these slightly varying ways that they're going to experience the plant based on you know their their uh consciousness and, and experience and thought uh Thought systems, belief systems, so on. Um, And so, if you connect with, say, like a rose, you know, a rose. A lot of people, you know, what are the first things you think of when you when you think of rose?
0: Like, of course, people will think about like beauty and elegance and Venetian qualities and feminine and all that. Mm -hmm. I like to think about their thorns and how they have good boundaries. So I think that's a good thing to add.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's usually like these are generally the kind of things with rose and people, you know, we think this mentally, but also if you connect in with the rose, it's often these kind of feelings and messages are what you're going to receive from rose. And then if you apply that same thinking to a plant that is, quote unquote, poisonous or it's psychoactive or it's hallucination inducing or, you know, it's. Mm you're going to get a different kind of feeling. And um, oftentimes it can bring us into contact and touch with these aspects of ourselves that we're afraid of, that we've avoided, that we um, wounds, traumas uh, that uh, feel very heavy. And what I have found time and time again with people um, going, you know, doing classes with me or or sitting in in meditation with these plants or things that I've heard from people and, and from my own experience as well, is that the plants will often hold us in those very difficult, painful uh, feelings and experience with this kind of energy of this is okay. This is okay. This is uh, normal. This is natural. And if you stay with this, you will be able to process it and move through it and uh, really become more fully yourself
0: Mm. Mm, i love that really helpful description of working with the plants because one of the things just to clarify the listeners which they'll probably ascertain from that gorgeous answer but you're speaking about not necessarily using them topically not mm. even flower essence, which is really popular, you know, in the realms of spirituality. And I totally honor, I have really close friends who are herbalists and I'm all about that and working with herbs. But right now, and what I loved about your work with the first time I heard you was this stream and potentiality of working with them on this energetic field and how potent this can be. So right now in this conversation about communicating, um, with them in this way it's really really an incredible tool and like you're talking about with the poisonous plants having the potentiality like those harder times in our lives to really go deep to heal unprocessed traumas to heal this is from my own experience Um, yeah unprocessed trauma even ignomatic aspects of self where I feel like there's certain, you know, fabulous modalities. I'm a huge fan, and I talk about this on the podcast a lot, of psychology and very much inter and co-mingling mysticism and psychology, because I feel like that's another shadow, which is like another whole podcast, you know, how often they're very separated, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think that's so important. And I speak and have lots of people come on about that. Um, And yet this is a whole nother realm that you're speaking to so beautifully and profoundly, this practice of working energetically, because we can talk all day long in therapy, which I'm a huge fan of. And that's Mm -hmm. one way to do it and to work on self. I have a recent episode um, I just recorded on koshas, you know, I don't know if you know that architecture of five layers of self from the yogic perspective and you've got the physical self and then you've got the second layer of the onion so to speak of the the energetic self and that's where we're talking for those friends who've listened because it's been very popular and I didn't think it would be very popular because mm-hmm. it's so like kind of esoteric and nerdy but mm-hmm. anyway so thank you for speaking about this and and let's just yeah keep diving into this working on this this whole other layer of self that's not exclusive of therapy of being physical and processing things in all the great ways but on the energetic plane, which of course dances with the psychology and dances with the physicality. You can't extract them. You know, they all help heal each other, but it's, it's another level and layer of work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. More and more subtle layers of the same kind of dense experience just gets more and more subtle as we move Mm. out.
0: That's a great way to describe it. It's a fabulous way to describe it. I love that. Yeah. And (sighs) I'm wondering if you could perhaps start to just um, maybe share a few hacks or tips for people who want to dive into this realm of plant communication. You're talking about specifically your expertise and and familiarity with the poisonous plants, but I know you also, as you shared in your journey, started, you know, and and I'm sure trained with all types of different plants. You mentioned rose. So for people who (laughs) want to... Zip their toe in, you know, what are, say, you know, just two or three ways that one could begin this relationship? And I'm sure we'll have listeners who are familiar with this practice and maybe a tip or two for them to deepen it, please.
1: Well, I would say, first of all, find a plant that you're drawn to. So um, one of the great things about plant spirit communication practice, or one of the things that I really like about it that I find is beneficial for anyone who engages in it, is that it does help to build your intuition. So even if you feel like, I don't trust my intuition, I don't have, I have a hard time hearing it. um, If you keep doing this kind of practice, your intuition will get sharper, like guaranteed, if you engage it. And so if you can intuitively kind of look at, well, what plant am I drawn to, that's a good place to start. And if you're not sure exactly how to do that, if you are in a home, you know, it's, it's winter time right now where I am. And so all the, every, all the plants outside are kind of sleeping. You know, they still have their life force in them, but also I don't want to go sit outside for too long with them in the cold. But if, um, you have a house plant, you know, you can find one that you feel called to, you can sit with, you know, a physical plant, you can always do that. And there's, uh, when you sit with a physical plant, you get more of, um, the physical vibration from the plant as well as the, um, more overarching kind of, uh, spirit of the plant, so to speak. So for example, Mm -hmm. with rose, again, I find that, you know, each individual rose plant has its own, uh, vibrational pattern or, you know, field, uh, you know, one like a rose that's not feeling very healthy. It's going to feel different from one that's 50 years old and just like full of life and very, very healthy and things like that. But then there's so there's these individual plant kind of experiences that you can have uh, that you can connect in with. But then there's also this overarching Uh, spirit of the rose uh that can be connected in with whether you have a rose plant in front of you or not you you don't even have to ever have seen a rose in your life to connect in with them um and even if you want to get more kind of nitty-gritty you could say oh there's a rosa rugosa plant you know overarching plant spirit there's like multi-flora rosa plant spirit and, and so on um so, so that's probably the first step is is just finding a plant that you want to connect with on some level, not just with your mind, but with your intuition or, or your being. And again, if you're not sure how to feel into it, I always go with first thought, best thought. Mm, so you could do you could do like a little kind of so anyone listening right now, even if you already have a plant spirit practice, uh, just take a moment here and. As long as you're not driving or do you know doing something where you need to be using your senses uh, i invite you to close your eyes and just notice the first plant that comes into your mind when you hear me say love the very first plant so not the second not you know it's the one that first came in sometimes there's like this very first plant and then then your mind will go oh but actually you know what i think this one's better Mm -hmm. don't listen to that one listen to the one the very first one because that's the intuition uh the mind will come in and try to insert its beliefs (laughs) totally
0: that's so helpful what did you see which plant came to your mind it's so funny because i and you know then my mind started to judge it because we're having this conversation, but I thought Datora and Mm, I've always resisted that because I feel like that's the plant everyone like comes, Mm. like when you're talking about plants and you're talking about the poisonous plants, everyone's like, Oh, Datora. And so it's one I haven't worked with a ton because I almost feel like it's a little, it's a little mass cultured. So it's very Mm. funny because it's so beautiful, But, um, but yeah, that's the one that came to me. (laughs)
1: Okay, well, (laughs) I think it
0: might be time for you to connect in with Datora, maybe. I love that. That was a great exercise too. Yeah, I'd like to ask you about Datora in a second, but I just want to stay on the same wave because I feel like it's really helpful for the listeners. And part of my passion Mm -hmm. is giving people practical things to do. And I'm a yoga meditation professor and I do one-on-one coaching work with developing intuitive gifts, et cetera. And so I love what you spoke of and just want to accentuate for people about going with the first thing because the mind will, you know, try to often hijack and take over and our projections come up and our fears come up and our desires come up for those people who feel like they can connect, you know, to their intuition or they don't know. I really liked how you spoke of. And so I really want to emphasize that idea of just really, really doing other things to like, could you speak about that too? Like what are some other things? Cause you somehow mentioned that, that you could also do to develop this muscle. Mm. Well, I like tarot
1: actually, which, you know, maybe I don't need to say this to your audience, but it can be people have a lot of uh, blocks around it, because most of what's out there around tarot is just so dumb. (laughs) It's just so like, you know, just off base about like, what tarot can actually be. Um, But anyway, I don't want to go too far off track here, but, you know, using, having like a daily tarot practice where mm-hmm. you're just cards for yourself can be very helpful in building the intuition. Um,
0: Fabulous. I have two episodes on with an expert tarot reader who's brilliant. One was just launched two episodes ago. So people can check those out. I oh, love awesome. that practice. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, the tarot, um, the plant spirit communication, um, there's, there's lots of, you know, there's things where you can actually really try to like train your mind if you have, um, even, even you could use a tarot deck and you could kind of, without turning over the card, try to guess what card is in your hand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or if you have playing cards, you know, try to guess like, what's the number, what's the color. Um, if you have a friend who likes to do this kind of work you know it's my my partner and I sometimes will uh practice trying to read each other's minds like okay what color am I thinking what shape am I thinking um reading trying to read people's auras you know can help to build that skill as well um doing work with although maybe this is well I don't know but Hesitant to add this into the mix, but uh, I will. Which is uh, doing doing Bardo work of, of reading the Book of the Dead to people can also help to build that skill, I think. Um,
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, and meditation, sure right? Like meditating, meditation. Oh, right? yes, yes, yes. Well, meditation is very important because. The mind never shuts up. The mind is blah 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 all the time. And so, how are you going to hear your intuition? How are you going to know the difference if the mind is just like, well, blah 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 blah. Oh, all right. And you know, at the same, and also doing psychotherapy is also very helpful because when there are, you know, we we can project so easily. It's you know, I think most of us don't realize that. Almost every interaction we have with people, we're constantly projecting. Uh, We're constantly projecting what we think about a person, what the person really means. You know, if we hear someone is of a certain religion or of of a certain political affiliation or they're dressing a certain way, we make up a whole story about what this person is like that may or may not be true. And, you know, we can do the same thing for plants. So, for example, we'll come back to rose. Let's say, Let's say you had a, a bad experience with rose at some point where you got all scraped up. Uh, you, maybe you've, you, as a kid you you know got scraped up by the thorns and now you you have a negative feeling towards roses. If you go into your plant communication with Rose with this story of like, you know roses are bad and you don't even know why you might have um, a clouded perception of that that plant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, you know, in, in a different way, maybe you have a lot of wounds around your heart, maybe you feel unlovable in some way, which, you know, who doesn't, <laughs> who doesn't have that, that juicy wound. Um, when you come to rose with this kind of feeling of unlovability, you know, you might project certain things onto the rose uh, that may not be really accurate, may not really be what the rose is putting out
0: love that really helpful. Um, it's really interesting because I was having a conversation last night with one of like my best friend and I was asking her advice about something that and she didn't know like what to say exactly and we were laughing and she's like, well, you're you're psychic. I don't understand I have some psychic for sure abilities and work with clients and such and have been Articulating them more publicly lately. But she said to me, like, even psychic, so can you explain to me, like, how are you confused about something? And Mm -hmm. I was saying to her, well, it's because of all the projections. And I was, you know, like we were going through the innards of that and laughing together because I've known her for, you know, 20 some years, just how it's so funny, like how, you know, our projections and our fears and our traumas are so deep. And I was saying, you know, when I work with other people, You know, I get into that meditative space and just can clear myself out because I'm not attached to any of it, you know? And so it's it's so similar to what you're speaking of. And I love how you talked about it. It's like all this spiritual, like cross fit, cross training we can do Mm -hmm. and develop those muscles in different ways so that then when we come with the intention of listening and working with the plant, that muscle has been built. And so thank you for that, especially. I love that you spoke of, you know, using the tarot technology, because I feel like some people are more tangible and more visual, and so that could help them. You know, guided meditations can be helpful for some. You know, we all have these very different distinctive personalities, and so it's not about squelching those. That's, I feel like, the modern mysticism. It's really embracing our... Personality aspects and really even our idiosyncratic aspects of self that make us who we are, and then how do we leverage those and parlay those to help us develop our intuition or to help us on the spiritual path? Even so, mm. thank you. That was a lot of really interesting offerings and, and reading Book of the Dead. I never heard that one, so very interesting. Thank mm. you. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, let's go into because I, the Torah came up for me, and then. Mm. One of my thoughts was to ask you, like, which poisonous plants, because I'm assuming that's what you get questions about the most, if other plants too, feel free to to chime in with those. But what are the plants you get asked about the most? Do you feel like there's a collective consciousness kind of message surrounding those specific plants that are coming up right now for all of us? And then with the plants that you feel like do – would you mind sharing your experience, what their medicine is?
1: Well, Datora is definitely one that I get asked about probably the most. Amanita muscaria, the little red and white mushroom, which, you know, is technically not a plant. It's a fungi, but, you know, I put it under this, this umbrella here. But that those two are probably the most... Um, sought after and uh popular at this time and you know Torah, i think um is a really great gateway plant <laughs> gateway drug <laughs> into okay. the world of poisonous plants because it's not only can it be very beneficial and helpful for guidance into these kind of things that we've been talking about the the shadow the unconscious the wounds the traumas um, can be very supportive and very beneficial and helpful in doing this kind of work but it also holds I believe a very high a very light high kind of vibrational imprint as well there's something very, like, angelic, very, very beautiful, very, very loving um, about this plant. So there's something that, so if you're someone who might be a little bit nervous, understandably, to dive into um, some foreign, unknown, scary realms within yourself, uh, Datura seems to be, a very nice, um, gateway into that world. And, you know, we touched on this already. I just want to just touch on this again about, I'm not talking about ingestion, although that has been something that's done historically. Datora is one that gets, uh, very much misused and abused via ingestion. Um, it can be used as a medicine topically. It can be used as a medicine, smoking to treat asthma. It has been as a steam to treat asthma. Um, and, and it, it can be ingested, but it has to be done, uh, through proper training and understanding. And a lot of times I think it's, it's something that grows very abundantly in some places freely. It's like a quote unquote weed. And so people take it trying to get high and then they have a very bad experience because it's not like taking LSD or psilocybin or something like that. Mm
0: -hmm. It's a delirium
1: and it can be very, uh, Confusing and not—it's not something you want to take in high doses, in my opinion. But very
0: clear and 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 also just might I interject to be working with any herbs or plant medicine with a professional who doesn't have a degree that they got in two two months or something like a true (laughs) because I feel like that's another shadow which (laughs) we won't go into. But with herbalism, someone who's a true master and been doing and practicing for a long time. But right. and could- even
1: sometimes someone doesn't have to have to have a degree, but maybe they've been doing this for like right. a long time, and they're very dedicated to the to this work. Right, like an elder, absolutely. Just someone who's like knows what they're doing and isn't just like, "All right, bro, I just I just read online that we can get wicked high
0: on this detora." Yes, <laughs> like that's not that's not your shaman, okay. Um, yes, that's but, what we, we were speaking of in your the answer to your first question, having to use discrimination these days with the yes. abounding information. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, you know, but I just, even though I, I focus very heavily on that plant spirit communication, because I think it's so great that anyone, you can do it anytime, anywhere. It's so easy. It's so accessible. Um, But I don't want to discredit also that these plants do have medicinal value. And even some of them are, you know, certain alkaloids are extracted and used in modern Western allopathic medicine. Um, You know, flower essences can be very potent. Um, There are herbalists who make um, salves and oils that you can use topically to help treat pain and headaches and all different kinds of things. So these plants do absolutely have medicinal value. They've been kind of you know, as herbalism, at least in the West, but really across the world, it has degraded, I think, as you know, this, this kind of pharmaceutical model has, has so much power, and they've really squeaked out and tried to do their best to crush natural remedies. A lot of those, you know, even as, as herbalism is kind of having a resurgence right now in the West, a lot of those those quote unquote poisonous plants have been. It's too. It's understandably. It's like this is too much. <laughs> it's too. It feels too dangerous or too scary to work with it. And and my hope is that like in the, in the coming decades, more and more herbalists are going to you know do the work of rediscovering how to safely use these plants as medicine um, on a physical level as well. People who are again <laughs> qualified to do so.
0: Yeah. So for the purposes of working with the energetics of the medicines and the ones that come up, you mentioned the and I love that mm-hmm. how you said that can be a beautiful gateway kind of introductory. And, and one thing I want to interject, and then I'd love to hear maybe one or two more insights on another example or two. When you say work with, again, practical ways, like what do you mean? Like, for example, I'll have a download to work with a plant for whatever reason. Like it comes into my field and a conversation with someone. I see it on the highway and I think, huh, what's that plant? And I look it up. Mm -hmm. Often I'm using the internet because I don't have access to all these plants. Plus I'm a mother of three. So time is Mm -hmm. limited for me. So one primary way I work with plant medicine, which is so modern in the mystic way is I pull them up. I download them. Like I have two or three on my computer at any given moment on a tab and I just leave them there and it reminds me to check in with them Mm -hmm. to do that meditation. Mm -hmm. And it's been incredible, really Mm -hmm. incredible at times in my life to literally look at the picture. I've even done a thing where I've played with looking at the word of a plant name that has come up in my field of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like this is a little more complex, but literally just meditating on the plant name, not even having seen the plant, And then noticing what comes up in meditation. And so often Mm -hmm. the things that come up in meditation, like images, thoughts, actually relate to that plant and the medicinal properties. So anyway, could you speak to other ways? Like you could look at a picture of a plant, Um, you could look at the name. What are other suggestions you have, please, that you like to work with and share with your students? Well, I
1: like that idea a lot of having the picture. Like I'm thinking you could even set your home screen on your phone to like Mm -hmm. a picture of the plant. Fabulous. Um, yeah, meditating with the plant. And really, that practice is not very uh, complicated. I I have videos. I think I have some videos online on Instagram, maybe on YouTube. I definitely have them on my Patreon. We definitely talk about it all throughout the Poisonous Plant Medicine course about how to do it, but it's not complicated at all. You just <laughs> basically just sit with a plant and are like, hey what's up? What do you want to share with me? And there's little Mm -hmm. ways that you can kind of make that more solid, I guess you could say, especially Mm -hmm. if you're starting out with the practice. You know, and it it depends a lot on the the person and the plant, you know. So for example, say dandelion keeps coming up for you and you look into it and, you know, maybe, maybe you're having issues with Digestion, or you're having issues with your liver, and then maybe the the dandelion wants you to physically ingest it. Maybe you keep finding yourself being drawn to poke, which is one of the plants that I talk about pokeweed or pokeberry, and uh, you have a lot of stagnation in your lymph. Like maybe the plant, Mm. you know, wants to be used topically and and to help kind of get that stagnation in the lymph moving, and that's why you're drawn to it. Um, Maybe. You're drawn to poison hemlock, and that one you don't want to be working with um, ingestion wise. Although, ironically, I have all these old books on you know how the historical uses of these plants, and in one of them, it said that using poison hemlock to treat a teething toddler who's in pain, and it's like, can you imagine what? suggesting that now? Yeah. Oh my god! But they, they know they knew how to dose. They knew yeah. the proper dosage yeah, that for was things. Different.
0: Yeah, it was different.
1: I was just gonna say, don't. I'm saying, don't use it for your toddler. But maybe you're drawn to poison hemlock, and maybe you know the reason is because you're needing to do some like deep trauma work at this time. You need to do like a deep dive in your psyche, and so um, I don't think that we're called to plants randomly or by coincidence. I think it's uh, there's a reason. There's something that if if the intuition, if it's the intuition that's drawing us to something, it's for a reason.
0: Mm. Mm. so good yes people so like Catherine said notice which plants are in your life now because right the universe Mm -hmm. can speak to us in signs and symbols i believe and so if you get a hit on the inside what plant is speaking to you which one you can go there or you can look around at the at the beings who've been with you and there's a chance you know in the in the park where you sit and have your lunch, there might be a plant right there that's been like waiting or, mm-hmm. you know, to have a conversation with you and you haven't even noticed it. So to me, that's so much about a part of being a modern mystic is just opening up and paying attention to what's mm-hmm. happening around you, whether it's the, like you said, the hunger and the the strife and suffering of the world or the the tools and plants and and beings and creatures and people for that matter that are p- being presented to you. So mm-hmm. really gorgeous. The last thing I want to ask you, and it's perfect you said dandelion because it triggered my desire to say this to you, is what is your experience or just anything that's in your heart that you want to share from your live teaching and working with people and benefiting from healing ancestral lineages? With the plant communication. Dandelion is something that my first Mm -hmm. pregnancy, I broke out with these weird hives all over my body, rushed to the ER. I mean, really extreme. They said, oh, this is something called pups. Most women develop this in their third trimester. I was like seven weeks pregnant, not even showing. And you just have to live with it. And there are pictures everywhere with these women. (laughs) And that was it. it. So yeah. I was like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Patriarchy at its finest. To mm-hmm. <laughs> so a pregnant woman in a hospital. And I was like, Are, like you got to be kidding me. So, you know, did a bunch of research, checked in with an herbalist, started drinking dandelion tea. And within, I don't know, one hour of drinking a dandelion tea, <laughs> they started to subside. <laughs> and then <laughs> within a day, they were all gone. And, mm-hmm. you know, doctor didn't believe it. Doc, you know, whatever, um, but was befuddled because she had never seen this happen. It cleared up. And so then I was like, okay, dandelion, let me explore this. What's the connection of my life to dandelion? And I started reading about how in Ireland, which are my roots, dandelion was something that was worked with. And that was part of my ancestral healing journey. So so yeah, could you share about your experience with that and and how to do that?
1: I guess I might look at ancestral healing maybe a little bit differently than is kind of the norm. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here. I've just never really dove into that kind of work or that kind of community. But when I think about ancestral healing, I think about these, these trauma lineages. I know I've said trauma so many times. I'm sorry, guys. I know this is, and what sucks too is that that's become such a buzzword that's kind of lost like it's inherent meaning, but I do believe that everybody has trauma, you know, of varying degrees that impact and color the way that we live our lives. So I think it is, you know, an important thing to talk about. But yeah, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm one of these people now.
0: <laughs> right, that you're saying shadow trauma and now it's, but the, the upside of that, I feel like is that it's in the collective, the colloquial, you know, and, and, and awareness. So that's, that's, that's a good thing to an extent but I hear you in the dilution of it then
1: yes the dilution that's what really gets to me and and people who don't really anyway just repeating not really understanding what it is that they're saying which I guess that's most how most conversations are we're just repeating things we don't really know we're we don't know what we're talking about we're just repeating what sounds good But yeah, when I think of ancestral healing, I think about these kind of like trauma lineages that get passed down from generation to generation. You know, it's so interesting to me when people say something like uh, alcoholism is genetic and it's like, well, is it or is it just that you had an alcoholic father who was abusive and that led you to want to drink and to cope in a similar way and that your father had an alcoholic father and that father was In world war one and was experiencing unbelievable disgusting horrors had no way to cope beyond getting drunk every day because there was no you know uh lineage or support at that point to help process what what he had seen and uh so when i think about ancestral healing that's kind of what i think about and you know are we gonna be the ones in our line to break that that pass down Um, trauma, I mean, alcoholism, that's such, you know, just a, I guess you could say like an obvious example, but there's just subtle ways too, like passive aggression, you know, uh, holding things in not expressing what you're feeling, you know, these might not be so in your face forms of of, uh, ancestral wounds or or trauma, but it's like, the way that we communicate the way that we um love ourselves the way that we love others. this is all learned from our our families, you know, from the experiences that we had in our family systems. so um, in terms of plants being supportive for that, you know, I think it's it's just it varies so much from person to person. I'm trying to think of any kind of examples of my own experience that come to mind. <laughs> And it's not, it's, you know, maybe a little out of topic here, a little off topic, because it's not with plant spirit medicine, but um, psychedelics, plant medicine has been very beneficial to me at times in my life to really see clearly certain patterns that have been passed down. And just, I think being able to see those patterns is, Once you see them, it's hard to continue with
0: them. I have an episode on Ancestral here at Ling, and you could have a whole podcast because it is so deep and it is so helpful, I think, to look at that healing work from so many different angles, which you really help to illuminate meaning you know, thinking about, okay, is it really, you know, a genetic thing, say alcoholism? And is that, you know, is it epigenetics? Is it this? Is it that? And, you know, I think you could say yes to all of them, or you could argue some of them, you know, and and at the end of the day, what we're speaking of is, okay, how do we witness them? How do we see them? Because that's that first step, like you said, when you look and you see those patterns, and you acknowledge and can see the, the patterning, of the behaviors that we have that however we inherited them we inherited them and by that consciousness and shedding that light onto them then how do we integrate heal and ultimately change Mm -hmm. our actions so that we don't carry them on yeah it's just it's it's really profound yeah. I'm a big fan of like thinking one of the ways I've done that work is thinking about the foods that my ancestors ate and researching or like looking at the plants that they must have been working with. Because for me, it's only a couple of generations back that I'm sure they were, which probably for most people, I think when I was doing the episode, I, I had researched, it was quite a while ago, my ancestral healing episode, but it was something like, it was pretty much guaranteed that almost everyone, about 90, seven percent of people I think seven generations back maximum that their ancestors were actually working with plants and herbalism and tending to the earth and that's not that long ago if you and that's maximum yeah you know so especially as like white European you know for me I'm like you know have a lot of white European western European ancestors you know that that can be really helpful because I feel like with myself, that's been a journey to even connect to the ancestors, you know, in a way.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. And I don't know if this is your case, but I'm also of European ancestry, but it's like eight different
0: (laughs) countries
1: and regions. And it's kind of so whenever I think about ancestral work, I'm like, well, it feels so... um, muddled and and my ancestors all well, they all were like fleeing their countries of origin for various reasons you know there's like a lot of um you know i just i don't know and i don't know what there there's been in in europe it's it's been essentially colonized like the the longest in in terms of the the peoples there were taken away from their ancestral traditions and were forced, you know, into that, into that, uh, whatever you could say Christianity, but it's not real Christianity, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, I was wondering, would you be willing to punctuate this conversation with just like a one to two minute guided meditation or Hmm. Benediction, or just anything that you feel moved to to offer. Yeah,
1: let me let me think for one yeah. moment, and just kind of see what wants to. let's let's do a um a little meeting with the torah <laughs> a little Aww. meditative meeting with
0: the torah I love that.
1: <laughs> um all right so i'll invite everyone to close your eyes and find yourself in a comfortable position the spine straight Keeping a posture that's awake, alert, but not rigid, not too relaxed, not sleepy. And just taking in some deep breaths, breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth. And with each breath in, feeling yourself arriving more fully to your body, feeling yourself arriving more fully to this moment, feeling yourself arriving more fully to the space that you find yourself in. And with each breath out, letting go of all of the chatter, all of the noise, all of the preconceptions about the Torah. Breathing in Arriving here. Breathing out. Letting go. And with each passing moment, each passing breath, you may find your mind becoming more quiet. If the mind starts getting noisier, that's okay. That's pretty normal. It's just kind of what the mind does. Whenever you notice the mind, the thought. Thoughts arising, the mind becoming more active. It's okay to just let those thoughts go, to just say to yourself, I'm going to stop that thought. I'm going to just let it go. Coming back to the breath, breathing in, arriving here, breathing out, letting go. And Starting to call into your awareness, into your mind, an image of Datora. Even if you don't know what this plant is, even if you have maybe a vague idea of what this plant is, doesn't matter. Just calling in the plant. If you don't know what it looks like, just hearing that name, Datora. And through that image, through that name, you might start to feel what you might call the vibration of, of the Torah. You might start to feel the what you might call the plant spirit or the plant consciousness or the field, whatever kind of word you want to use. It's not really important. You might start to sense what this plant feels like, what this plant puts out and since we're just doing a, a short check-in a short meditation you don't have to drop in too deeply if you'd like you could pause this here and if you want to dive in more deeply with the Torah you can do so but for our purposes here you might just take the next moment to just notice what arises as you feel into this plan. any words Feelings, images, colors, body sensations. And just noticing without judgment, without conjuring any image, without pushing away anything that arises, just without effort, without any effort at all, just noticing what arises. And if the mind starts to wander elsewhere, that's again, that's okay. Just coming back to the breath, coming back to the Torah, and we'll just sit quietly for the next moment or so, and just notice what the Torah has to share with us. If nothing is happening, it's okay. Don't be too hard on yourself about it. Just stay with it. Just stay with the thread of the Torah and starting to recognize that this connection is going to come to a close now knowing that anything that started to come up through this connection if you feel incomplete you can always come back to this later that connections not going anywhere For now, you can just start to wrap up your connection with the Torah whatever way feels appropriate to you. You can offer thanks to the Torah if that feels good to you to do so. And whenever you're ready and at your own pace, you can take in a deep breath and open the eyes, returning to wherever you may find yourself in this physical world
0: mm. thank you that was really truly a gift and a, a, a profound dive so I know many people will benefit for, from that thank you so much well Catherine where can folks find out about your work, which I really feel like is a reclaiming and a revolutionary at the same time offering of deep, deep profundity. So where, where can people find out about this work?
1: Thank you. That's quite the, the compliment. You can find me through my website, which is just my name, katherinesoli.com. On Instagram, I go by Persephone's Path, um, Persephone being the mm-hmm. Greek goddess of the underworld and of springtime, very Datura-esque, you know,
0: <laughs> very <laughs> this, this
1: dark and light together. Um, I have a Patreon, which is patreon.com/slash/capinsoley, as well, where I have many, many. I think there's around 50 classes there that are video classes between 30 minutes and an hour long. I have tarot forecasts on there every month. You can get monthly herbal care packages sent to you through there and also monthly personalized tarot forecasts through my Patreon. There's just a ton of stuff there and it's, I believe, very affordable <laughs> for what is all there. And then I also, um, as I've mentioned earlier, I have something called the Poisonous Plant Medicine Course, which is really my my baby, like my my main offering. And i I don't know when this will be coming out, but uh, I will have another one, a level one starting in June, early June. And I have it's it's a six week course. There's level one and then there's also a six week level two, level three and level four. So there's. Uh, I think it's like 90 something hours. If you complete the whole thing and
0: wow, um, very in
1: depth, we would talk about lots of plants. We talk about wrathful deities. We talk about trauma. We talk about plant spirit communication. We journey with a plant every week. So yeah.
0: Mm, sounds like a really rich, rich offering. And I'm really happy for my monthly members because you are giving them the gift of 10% off that really deep, rich journey dive. That starts in June, you said, right? 2023. Yeah. So wow. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> to say it. <laughs> How? Why? I don't uh, don't mm-hmm. understand it. But that is that is the number that they are telling us it is. <laughs> so if you aren't a monthly Mystic member yet, carpe diem, and support your body, your heart, your mind by heading on over to my website and becoming a member. It's only 33 bucks at modernmystic.love, and support this podcast while supporting yourself and get my entire yoga, meditation, mystic hack video library, which includes tarot, uh, once a month polls, astrology tutorials to boot all on a gorgeous and really user-friendly platform. Um, It also includes all sorts of phenomenal discounts like Catherine's most generous offer on her course. So check that out. I also offer intuitive one-on-one coaching as well as astrology, psyche, soul mapping readings. So to book either one of those, you can head on over to modernmystic.love there as well. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast because I have not been saying that ever and people always say ken you have to remember to say that and i never do because i get so intoxicated by the conversations so i wrote it out for myself please people do that because it really helps get the podcast more heard it helps it get supported and and more of this wisdom like Catherine's today will be shared with more beings and and hopefully continue to be a drop in the supporting of up leveling humanity and consciousness so Lastly, if you want to contribute directly to the podcast, I just launched Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash love and donate as little as $3 a month because it really makes a difference. Every dollar for sure counts. So there are some gifts there at Patreon. Remember Catherine's Patreon. And Catherine, just thank you so much for your wisdom, your authenticity, and you're really... The first time I saw you, I was just like, felt how bracingly bright you are. Like you just have such bright energy. And if you see Catherine (laughs) and just yell into her energetic layer of self, she so um, beautifully embodies this balance of, like you said, and I love Persephone, that fall spring, you know, you've got this like very bracingly bright energy and yet willingness to go so deep dark. And we have to hold both. So thank you for doing that so skillfully. Mm, Thank you. That's very kind of you. Mm -hmm. Well, namaste. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership my members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature, and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over 100 alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels meditation, and breathwork classes so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up level yourself as you become the next version of you. Not to mention my mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you lastly if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community check out also our private modern mystic podcast facebook group keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives one breath at a time namaste